This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstiles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by First Row Collectibles, if you're into nerd culture, if you're into wrestling memorabilia, if you're into sports memorabilia, please visit firstworld.ca, use promo code THEPODCAST20, you'll get 20% off. They got signed comic books, signed wrestling figures, signed wrestling pictures, sports memorabilia, you name it, they got it. Best thing is they update daily and they ship worldwide, so please visit them at firstrow.ca. And if you're into video games and books, please visit bossfightbooks.com for great books on classic video games. You'll find titles like NBA Jam, Red Dead Redemption, Resident Evil, and so many others. Everything you see on their websites available in paperback and ebook format. So please check them out at bossfightbooks.com. If you're looking for the best supplements and CBD products, visit LegacySubs.com and use promo code THEPODCAST to receive 10% off. They have everything from sleep aids to muscle building, anything that makes you feel great. This is not only geared towards your athletes for your everyday blue collar or white collar worker. It doesn't matter. It works. It's great. They are Legacy Sports Nutrition. Visit them at LegacySubs.com. And if you want to support me directly, please visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com or scroll down on today's device you're listening to us on. It's embedded right there in the description. Click on that link. It takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from t-shirts to hoodies to travel mugs phone cases anything you need or want it is there but the easiest thing the most important thing the freest thing the best thing you should be doing to support the show each and every week rate subscribe review on all major platforms most specifically apple Podcasts, stitcher TuneIn, soundcloud spotify and iHeartRadio. so this week's guest has wrestled all over the world for such promotions as progress Revolution Pro, TNA, ICW, WWE, NJPW, and most recently, AEW. Professional wrestler, Big Demo. Hello, what a wonderful uh, introduction. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for being here, my friend. So, what's going on nowadays in, in your life? Obviously, as of this recording, you just were on AEW TV. But other than that, what, what's what's been keeping you busy? <laughs> a little bit of everything. Well, today I was... Uh... I was weeding the uh, the back patio. <laughs> nice, <laughs> but but I was at the gym, and then I was uh, I was 
yeah, preparing for, for the rest of my week, to be honest. Um, I've actually got a few days off, which, which is going to be pretty good, so hence all the household chores, but it's been a very hectic couple of weeks, so I'm getting ready. I'm about to go back for progress. We have super strong style uh, right at the start of June there, so yes. we just got the news that the, the winner will be the, the progress World Heavyweight Champion, so uh, there's a little bit of... Uh, a little bit of extra prep going into into this tournament, um, and uh, other than that, honestly, like enjoyed my my experience last week the AEW, and I was all over the place the last couple of weeks, but leading up to it, so it's been a, it's been a fun month, shall we say? No, that's pretty cool. For people who don't know, because here in North America, like well, up here in Canada, we follow progress a lot, but in the states, maybe not so many people know. But what is exactly the strong style sixteen? Because I I know myself, it's a tournament, and like you said, now the title's on the line. For people who don't know, explain to us, what is Progress and what do they have to offer that's different from the other promotions out there? Well, Progress Wrestling was one of the uh, the British boom period um, companies. It was kind of themselves and ICW and RevPro were kind of leading that that push in the, the 2012 onwards up till about... Uh, 2017, 2018, well, actually right up to the, the pandemic. Nice. Um, and coming out of the pandemic, you know, a bunch of the companies are really trying to, to get get going again. And Progress was, was very well known for incredible incredible stories and more importantly, the probably the most prestigious tournament in, in Britain at the moment, which is the Super Strong Style 16, which is 16 people from generally all across Europe or America who, who come together to uh, do their very best to beat the absolute shits out of each other. But this year is the first time that, um, the, well, I'm not sure if it's the first time, sorry, but it is the, this year's prize uh, will actually be the, the Progress World Heavyweight Championship because... They have just vacated the, the, the title that was held by Jonathan Gresham. So very exciting for a lot of the lads coming through. A lot of the uh, the, the imports or a lot of the uh, the guests like myself should be a lot of fun for us to get in there and get about it. Um, Progress is uh, one of, this, a phenomenal company based in London. And my people like myself from who have traveled and worked across Europe and the UK and stuff like that, there was a long period where there was no wrestling in London. So for it to be like a, and to have an incredible company coming out of the biggest city in the UK is, is awesome. And because there's such a vociferous support there, shall we say, right. almost like a soccer audience of progress. Um, it makes it for a very unique experience. I was just back there. We had um, two dates there last month and I got to team up with my old sanity teammate Axel Tischer nice. formerly known as Alexander Wolf and the two of us got to have uh, our first wrestling match together in, well teaming sorry in, in three years um, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun so it was great to get back there for progress I had such a blast of a time and we uh, I'm very excited going into uh, super strong stuff well I hope they end up coming back here in North America because I remember dirt when SummerSlam was up here in Toronto Progress did a few shows and I actually got to catch one of them. And yeah, like you said, the the audience, like it translated. Like, I don't know if everyone from England came over or the UK came over and was there in the audience, but everyone was doing the chants. Everyone was rambunctious and raucous and all that sort of stuff. And it felt good. Like it feels like the old, again, because I'm an 80s baby. So I always harken back to the Attitude Era and those rabid fans. And that's what it felt like again. Absolutely. I think like, it's it's almost like the involvement of the soccer style, you know, the chance, the everybody trying to get involved, trying to be heard. Where you know there is a period right now in wrestling where a lot of people are maybe more, you know, maybe sitting on their hands a bit more, more studying what they're watching, sure. as opposed to actually 
getting lost in the moment. And I, I, I get that, you know, that's the the rise of, of the smarter fan. But it's really awesome when you're in a in a crowd where people are just willing to have a good time. And, you know, sometimes the chants are hilarious and sometimes they're, they're <laughs> absolutely, you know, they're, they're exciting, you know. There was, a, you know, a couple of great matches during the last time I was there. And I was very excited for Axel and I. Like, we were getting all these new bizarre chants that I haven't heard, <laughs> uh, including one that was uh, set to... Uh, uh, two unlimited uh, <laughs> song from the, from the early nineties. Oh my goodness! So <laughs> it was uh, it was very fun for us. Oh, okay. Well, before we get into even more wrestling, you were an athlete before even a wrestler. Like you played soccer, which we call obviously here. You call football, rugby, basketball, judo. Why did you pursue wrestling instead of any of these other sports? Honestly, like I think I did all those other sports to prepare me for wrestling more than oh. anything. Uh, Okay. I, uh, I I wanted to be a wrestler from when I was four years old, but I started taking it seriously when I was about fifteen. I started looking for schools and things like that. Okay, so okay. I started judo just just as a like almost like a means to an end, you know, to, to really get used to the rough and tumble. Like I enjoyed rugby. Rugby was a lot of fun. And mm-hmm. um, I got into rugby uh, at ten years old, and so I moved okay. schools when I was fourteen. So it meant that I, I actually couldn't keep rugby up. Um, so that that was a, like a minor regret, but rugby was a lot of a lot of fun, and there's no guarantee, you know, would I have kept it on, you know, after a certain age anyway. Uh, soccer was a constant throughout my entire life. I was I was the absolute shits as a kid. Um, <laughs> I I realized I realized as I got older, I was actually a really good goalkeeper, and I, I finally became a keeper um, in my in my late teens. Actually, and I ended up playing <laughs> to a really high level and played for my college and stuff like that. So oh, nice. you know. To be so late to the position to end up playing up to collegiate level was awesome for us. Right. And I got to play in the um, one of the qualification rounds in the Scottish FA Cup, which is which for British people is, is a somewhat of a big deal. Right. Um, especially me having very little talent, it was an awesome <laughs> experience. Um, but no, I you know I adored those sports, but like realistically, a lot of those things were were for fun, for ho- you know as a hobby. Um, but like for the likes of judo and any other martial arts or karate, what I, what I did um, was just as a way to prepare myself for wrestling because at the time there were there were no schools. But I, I'm actually very happy that, you know, I got into wrestling 19 years old. I was very happy to get into it as an adult. You know, I meet people who, who maybe start at 12, 13 years old, and it, it's such a crazy environment to get into at a young age. I'm glad I got into it at 19. I, I got into it as a man who's moved house, um, left the country i moved over to scotland um so i i traveled part of the world so i i made i felt i was ready to um knuckle down with wrestling and, and over that maybe that first year as i was transitioning from you know going once a week to then twice a week three times a week whatever um, and by the time you know a year in i was flying i was going as many days as possible spending all my money and all my free time <laughs> trying to get my um, my skills together. I started traveling all across the UK and Europe, just trying to find new coaches and seminars and things like that. So it, honestly, it became an obsession. So from a, from a complete concept of, shall I just try it to see if I can do it? And it becomes like a hobby. It becomes a part-time job, a full-time job. Then it becomes my my career. So it's been one of those things, you know, I, the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. That That's what I feel wrestling is the ultimate for. Um, so all those sports that I did leading up to it put me. I was in great shape when I started. I remember like I was. Uh, they, they tried to kill us with those early training, and I found it really easy. Um, <laughs> oh, sure. The uh, and then later on, um, 
you know, as uh, especially with the physicality. And so I, I actually found the falling very difficult just to get my head around. Um, but then once <laughs> once I got it, it, it was a lot easier. But don't get me wrong, I don't think anybody enjoys falling over, to be honest. Sure. But um, it was uh, that was the, one of the hardest parts, was probably getting used to the, the break fall. Um, even though I'd done aspects of that in judo, the, the concept of the break fall in, in professional wrestling is almost alien to any other <laughs> martial art. Like, right. It doesn't make sense. Um, so it took you know it took a while to, to figure that part out, but um, from then you once you got that you were able to look forward to the next part. So. <laughs> <laughs> there, well, again, you mentioned the combat sports aspect. I, I know back then MMA wasn't as popular or famous as it is now, but did it ever cross your mind to go down that route and be a mixed martial artist? Uh, not particularly, because my passion was always in pro wrestling. I actually adore mixed martial arts. So I've been a UFC and actually a big Bellator fan as well um, for years. But like, honestly, and I love I've been a boxing fan since I was a child. It's a very big thing in Northern Ireland. Uh, it's one of those sports that I think I think I respect boxing amongst maybe the most out of all sports on the planet. Oh, wow. I love the discipline. I love the rules. And I just love that whether you, you're a you could be a king or you could be a pop or whatever else. It's it's all it doesn't matter. You can you can still succeed at boxing, and, and I love that personally. I love that part of boxing. It's helped um, you know a lot of communities across Northern Ireland as well. And so I'm a, as I say, I've always been a fan. I did a little bit of boxing when I was younger, and um, but honestly, those things were never like a, a concept. It was never an idea for me to ever. Um, compete in martial arts or things i mean i remember don't get me wrong i competed in karate when i was a kid yeah you know? sure that's different as we as we all did because of danielson <laughs> um and but um yep. honestly my, my my goal from you know from four years old was was pro wrestling and like you start to realize at 14 15 that it is an actual possibility you meet people online you start like you know, the beauty of the internet really booming around that period, right. 96, 97, 98, meant, you know, you get the opportunity to meet people all across the world and start understanding more about wrestling and then do your research and finally figure out that there's schools within a reasonable distance from where you live. Um, and for me, that meant, you know, moving countries, but, you know, not too far away from home either. Um, so I, I understand, like, for, for a lot of people, you know, weren't able to commit the way I was able to commit. You know, I was able to... Uh, uproot my life and it's one of those things that I never look back on so um you, you know a lot of people always ask me what you know what's the best advice I can give them when it comes to you know trying to be a pro wrestler and sure. the truth is always just try and find the best school and then everything else will fall into place if you have to um spend a lot of money on it then it's worth doing you know what I mean like a lot of my friends uh, who I've met all across this journey been all I've, I've had massively different uh, starting blocks than myself but you know the ones who who started off with the with a, with a good coach always put themselves in the best position. So, um, and that that is probably one of the best pieces of advice I can find is do your research. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. Well, again, being a fan of boxing, what do you think of the Paul brothers, the celebrity boxing, all this stuff on Triller and all of these events? Are you a fan, or do you think it's bad for the sport? What's your take? I mean, is it is it bad for the sport? Probably. Um, okay. But I enjoy it, you know. Like, <laughs> right? The truth is, we, we we got to the sensationalist part of boxing over the last thirty years. I mean, you think about it, like a good promoter wanted to get people, you know, butts and seats, and the people who got really good at talking about boxing. You know, you're talking about the Muhammad Ali's and all these. You know, there was always a good talker who got people into buildings. Right. You know, Floyd Mayweather is is one of the utter best at it. And like, don't get me wrong, 
his his fights are technical masterpieces, but they're not fun to watch. You no, know what I mean? Like true. they're fun to study, but they're not fun to watch. You know, um, like when I was when I was a a young adult, and I was getting to watch Ricky Hatton coming through, for mm. example, and he's a maniac when it comes like you know, the, the whole concept of getting hit so that you can hit is is almost lost on <laughs> on today's boxing because it, yeah. it's it's an insane tactic, but it worked for him. You know, it meant he could get inside and be able to knock people out. It was such an exciting time to be watching. His fight with Costa Tzu was one of the best fights I've ever seen in my life. Um, but yeah, like I think like the the way it, it's been sensationalized, and I, I think that's been what, what's made it difficult for maybe guys who aren't overly charismatic, you know what I mean? And obviously the rise of MMA and all these kind of things has, has yeah. definitely put a little bit of... Um, it's made it maybe more difficult, sorry, for, for boxing to be like where it once was. Um, but you know, for the likes of the Paul brothers and whatever else, you know, they're they're talking themselves into huge fights and they're they're getting people to watch. So you can't deny that. You can't deny them that. Um, you know, I, I know how hard they work. You know, if you look what what, what Paul did uh, <laughs> this year's WrestleMania for right? sake, you know, it was it's <laughs> exactly. absolutely incredible. And he, he ended up uh, he put so much effort into it. He did such a good job. So yeah, yeah. you know, it, it's one of those things you can't deny the. The, the work ethic of them and obviously their ability to talk people into a building because um, that's something that you know we were really good at in professional wrestling but mm-hmm. as companies got bigger and the territories got swallowed up and stuff like that it became less about the individual like dragging people in uh, it was more about the company creating stories and creating entertainment and more more about the brand than anything else you go to watch the brand you're not necessarily going to watch the individual right. um, and that is definitely something that's very different about wrestling now whereas back in the day boxing was about the star you know you're there to yep. watch the the main event it just so happens to be that there's a decent card mm-hmm. um and you kind of you kind of see that maybe a little bit more in, in mma where you know that they're trying to to create the the card to be a little bit better as opposed to okay it's always based on the one fighter because it's so difficult to bank on on mma because everybody loses you know what i mean it's it's physically impossible in mma to to, to have a fit you know like like floyd mayweather that that's just it's it's just outrageous to think that could happen in, in MMA. You know what I mean? Um, so like you can see that with MMA with UFC, sorry for example, it, it's about the brand. You're going to see UFC number two hundred whatever or number three hundred whatever. Exactly. Um, <laughs> you're not. Yes, there's the likes of a Conor McGregor who's you're intensely trying to see or whatever else, uh, or previously the Rondas, the John Jones, whoever else. Yeah. Um, whereas now you're, you're generally going to see the brand, and the Double is very similar. And I think boxing had an element of that too. You know what I mean? Where maybe there wasn't as big a name. We were very lucky. We had Tyson Fury, who had the ability sure. um, on the microphone as well as the ability in the ring, and yeah. he did talk me into parting with a lot of money. Um, and thankfully, <laughs> uh, some of the best fights I've seen as well. So, like you know, it was able to back it up. But I feel like times have changed so much where people want to be entertained for hours as opposed to just for that one fight. I mean, back in the day, you might have paid hundred dollars to watch Mike Tyson beat somebody in ninety seconds or less, you know, right. mm-hmm. um, and you were so glad you were part of it. Yeah, exactly. Think, uh, it's different now. I think people want more bang for their buck, and like yeah. you can see that so in, even in movies now, a movie has to be over two and a half hours, um, where it used to be you know ninety minutes was the sweet spot, you know. Right. Yeah, I don't understand either, but uh, yeah, it, it's so true. Like. I find that it, they need to concentrate on those marquee stars and make stars because, yeah, the, all the boom periods and all these sports you just mentioned, boxing, MMA, wrestling, all had that head figure 
bringing everyone in. Like, you know what I mean? The Stone Cold for the 90s. Like you said, Tyson in the 90s. Like, you know what I mean? MMA, McGregor, Ronda. Now you see like, yeah, and they're a bit struggling here and there. But people, it's only the people who live in the bubbles now are consuming the product. It's no outsiders anymore. That's what I find. Uh, Don't get me wrong. Like, I think the way that MMA grew, especially the way UFC grew, was outstanding. Like, the... They pretty much picked up where wrestling had kind of left off, you know, the start of the 2000s. And and almost grew this, so you like wrestling, well, how about this? And, you know, (laughs) it really worked. And they kind of picked up the slack that boxing had definitely let. I I think uh, a lot of boxing promoters and stuff like that kind of got lazy. Or not necessarily, lazy's not fair, actually. Maybe just weren't with the times, so to speak. Um, Maybe that's a more fair, um, maybe that's a more more fair uh, reasoning um but honestly I, I think with the likes of ufc and stuff like that like there are, there's just so many f- like events now as well it's like that's the thing you know, there's a fight night every week there's um you know what, what multiple um uh, pay-per-views you know sometimes less than every month you know what i mean so mm-hmm. it's uh, and i get it like the demand is there people people want it more than anything yeah. um like I, I like I'm a big fan of Rosanna Matunas and like her losing in, in such an awful fight was such a bizarre thing for me because she'd been one of the ones I really loved watching. Exactly. Um, that's what happens, you know. It, 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 I I can't imagine what it must be like to have, go into a, a genuine fight every few months, knowing that you potentially uh, potentially die. So um, so there's only so many. Uh, maybe so many fights that somebody might have in them especially at that kind of level um but yeah honestly like that's i'm away on a, a rant here but um with that's ufc okay. for example like the hardest part right now as you say is you know are there massive draws i mean like yes i'd like to see an adesanya fight i love Ganu. there's so many others but if i miss the fight it's okay you right? know and, and sadly that is that is the truth yeah no kidding no kidding well back to wrestling then so when you came over from the UK, what was the biggest difference in terms of wrestling that you had to adapt to or style or politics or whatever when you came over? Well, indubitably, it's, it's not wrestling. It's a television show. So you're doing your best to try and um, adapt to what they want. You know, it's going to be like um, everything Everything is, is structured differently than what you've, you're maybe used to. Sure. You know, I, I came through in that massive period where, uh, you know, 2013 to 2016 like british wrestling european wrestling just boomed mm-hmm. um so like you know you you know what worked in that period um and don't get me wrong you're able to take some of that with you to uh, to the us but when i first got to nxt it was very different it was like um they weren't ready to to give you free reign it was still like and uh, no it needs to be this way um which is fine and, and you know as i like i've kind of explained this 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 before you know you can get upset about that or you can realize well this is somebody else's party this is somebody else's play or somebody else's theater production i'm just a part of it right and and like don't get me wrong it's tough sometimes to be told you're the shits (laughs) (laughs) i could imagine but you need to get to the point where you're like well that's your opinion or that's somebody's opinion it doesn't mean that it's you're uh it doesn't mean that it's true in every sense. The word just means that you need to figure out what they want and what style they want and whatever else. And in my first six months, I, I did find it very difficult because mm-hmm. um, 
I think at that point all the coaches were singing off different hymn sheets and then there was a period I think when we got about to the middle of 2017 they were all they had all kind of figured out what Hunter wanted but okay. until they got to that point they weren't sure and they were still some of them rebelling almost you know the producers whatever else because they weren't sure exactly because there's something that was on, on Raw or SmackDown was definitely different than what we were maybe going to present on NXT. And I think everybody was just singing off different hymn sheets for a while. Mm. And then when everybody got on the same hymn sheet, I think we had this beautiful year, maybe two years, where, where NXT was, was, was killer. Um, yeah. But the thing is, you know, NXT was meant to be a feeder system for Raw and SmackDown. So one of the hardest parts, I think, for a lot of people was that difference, you know, that what you do in NXT was not preparing you for Raw or SmackDown. Yes, in terms of the production, yes, in terms of, you know, being called stuff by the referees, you know, from the producers or, or, mm. or above. Yeah. Um, you were learning that aspect of it. Yes, you're, you're able to follow the cameramen where they're going. They're wonderful, a wonderful part of the uh, the setup there, and they're, they're, they're great people with so much experience. They're great people to pick the brain off, actually. Mm-hmm. It's one of the first things I always said to, to the guys, oh, any advice, whatever. So yeah, go and talk to the fucking cameraman, you know, it would help. <laughs> but it does. The people who figure that out end oh. up doing really well. Um, but the, um, you know, in terms of everything else, the, the actual style and whatever else, mm-hmm. you know, there's a massive disparity between what NXT was and what, you know, Raw and SmackDown would have been, you know, some lads found the transition pretty easy. Um, and for others, you know, it was very difficult, you know, it could take some time. Um, and like, you know, I think for us, the biggest difference was we were, you know, by the time we finished NXT, we were, um, you know, a, a fun tag team, you know, a fun, you know, baby face group, yeah. um, three guys and a girl. And, you know, we were going up to SmackDown as villains without, without Nikki. Um, and like, that was, Knowing that you're you're almost starting all over again, um, with people who don't believe you, don't believe in you at all, mm. um, it's tough, you know. And you have to try yeah. and you know make them believe in you, but it's very difficult to to get to that level. My main disappointment um, going up to the main roster was maybe the the, the producers and stuff who'd worked with us down in NXT, um, maybe didn't weren't helping us with the transition. Um, oh, okay. I remember one one particular producer said to me like, "Oh, I'd have really liked it if you'd have done such and such." And I was like, "Well, you tell me that after the fucking <laughs> fact." Like, that's all. Like, if you like, and oh, this man. is the, this is the thing. And EY said this best once we were in a car. He was like, okay. "If you tell me what to do, I promise you, I will do it." But if you don't tell me, I can't read your mind. And, and sadly, that is <laughs> one awesome. of the aspects of of, of wrestling is that there's just so many cooks on 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 Raw and SmackDown and everything else, that sure. it can be very difficult, um, you know, to figure out what they actually want from you. And like, you, you then you go to Vince if you can finally get through to him um, and you get speaking to him. And, and it's very simple. It's very easy. Uh, and then come a week later, he might have changed his mind, <laughs> which which is the sad but true part of it. Um, so that was the major transition for me, like going from indie where you're choosing your own thing yes you might get the occasional person who wants you to do x y or z at, at, at yeah. shows you know um keep it to this kind of time limit we want this or that from from the finish that's fine then you go to a match where literally you might have a producer who tries to call out the entire match to you which is mm-hmm. you know as i said i said before you know it, it's somebody else's theater that's no problem you know i can do that but it is a very different um environment and i think my my first six months there was i found that difficult and i think like the 
when when I I, can't, I think it was by the time the summer kind of hit in 2017, I, I kind of nailed it. I kind of figured out what I what I could do, what I couldn't do, and, and I felt from them as well. They started trusting me and started trusting okay. the group. Yeah, yeah. Even starting trusting like a lot of us there, like realizing, oh, they're not bad. Um, <laughs> and I think a lot, a lot of that just comes down, I, in my opinion. Um, I think there's a massive bias towards the American wrestling, um, as opposed to anybody from Japan or, or from Europe or whatever else. Um, until there's until there's almost like a uh, until there's almost a moment where Hunt, like for example, Hunter said, "Oh, this is my guy," then you know everybody, uh, especially from the the American coaches, or whatever else, they might be a little bit biased towards the Europeans or whatever. Um, as in saying they're they're not very good, <laughs> and then once once Hunter says no, they're good. Then suddenly that all changes, and I I felt that myself. I know Alistair Black felt the exact same thing as oh, well, sure. um, and, and like it's I guess there's accidental xenophobia, you know, if that's the the best way to describe it, because right, right. they don't know you know they don't know who you are, you know, you're not you haven't been on television. That's true. Um, uh, me personally, I'd only done a few dates with TNA, so it wasn't like I was mm-hmm. a massive name on on American television. So it was up to us to try and change that that opinion. And thankfully, I, I got to the point where I did change those opinions, and I had some some great moments over that next year. Um, but that first six months, the transition uh, period was very tough, and especially because NXT was going through a transition of its own, um, and there was like a, a kind of an old guard who were there when I first got there, who were all just desperately waiting to get called up. Mm-hmm. And then once they got called up, it meant things started to change, you know, some for good and, and, and some for bad, but like, it was just more of a case of, you know, something was going to change at that point. Um, and like, I, I just remember, as I say, that kind of summer 2017 onwards, um, it just started getting really fun and started getting like, I was more comfortable. They were more comfortable with me. And um, I'd started to understand what they were looking for from all of us actually in the company itself it, on the show on the on the product mm-hmm. um and uh, there was just this period i i think maybe about eight or nine months where for me like I, I was having the time of my life oh that's awesome to hear now was nxt uk around when you got signed to nxt no so i got signed okay. as they uh, before that but i i did get <laughs> consulted with what they were going to call it and oh, things like that okay want to use and whatever like which was cool like I, my original the original plan for my debut was going to be at nxt the first uh, nxt uk the first uh, tournament okay and then sawyer fulton got injured so i replaced him in sanity mm-hmm. but my original original debut was going to be with uh, at the very first um tournament oh wow look at that and now speaking of consulting and all this i i always love these stories about how wrestlers and people in the wwe come up with their name how did yours all go down did you have a list where you ended in the decision making or was it just you're killian dane and that's that uh, i got an email from a writer who said we can't use demo i was like oh okay <laughs> uh, and um he wanted to call me valak dane um okay. and i said well i'm irish and i'd rather have something that is at least has some sort of irish resemblance and sure. um, because uh, what's what's the fucking point in being irish on an american <laughs> show right and call him call him myself valak which is like Valentine or something in Czechoslovakia or whatever. Oh, shit. But okay. I, I don't know. It was something really dumb. <laughs> uh, and I, I just, I, I remember thinking that that's dumb. So I wrote out a list of names and all that kind of stuff. And they they were really married. The particular writer was really married to the Dane part. Um, okay. But uh, my, you know, Killian was, um, my, the school that I went to was, uh, 
was recently renamed as St. Killian's. Oh. And um, the area where my parents settled in uh, from when I was about 14 onwards, um, the the local priest of the area was, was St. Killian. So it was like the funniest, like, uh, and I actually really like the name because of Killian Murphy, the actor. So I was like, oh. you know, kind of hearing this an awful lot, right? The name Killian. There's a really incredibly famous soccer player called Killian Mbappe, mm. um, who's just starting to come to prominence um, in, in 2016, 2017. So, right. um, so I was like, shit, yeah, Killian sounds really cool. And they were like, yep, yeah, we like Killian Dane. And that was it. I was Killian Dane. Uh, I was amazed it didn't get shortened to either Killian or Dane. But um, True. I, I guess uh, <laughs> <laughs> I managed to miss that period of, of, of missing names, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I, I never liked the Dane part. Um, because it's not a name here in Ireland at all. Um, okay. I remember I remember doing research just to double check. Like, is, is there is there like <laughs> I, any variant of spelling? Is, is that a name here? Uh, and there isn't one. Um, and it was one of those little things that bothered me. Um, but it was one of those things that was like, okay, uh, that's the name they want. I'll make it work. Um, so you're you're trying to cut these promos, you know, like almost spitting Dan out as I'm saying it, you know. Um, but like, it's one of those things. Like it was it was what they wanted, and you're more than happy to do it. Um, because uh, first of all, like, I like the Killian part. It, it was something that you know I, I, I did enjoy using, um, and it was I found it easy to get into into character. I, I, I do anyway. Like I, I find it very simple to go from from demo to whoever they want me to be or, sure. or whatever I'm going to be. Um, it's just one of those things, like, I know I'm a, I'm a boring bastard who enjoys watching football, so, um, <laughs> you know, it's very easy to transition into something that's aggressive or, or whatever else. Um, so I, I got used to it. We have the, had this room at the PC where you could do promos, and I caught a bunch of them, like, um, just trying to get used to the character. And I started exploring it, writing down what what his whole life was and things like that. Yeah. And, and it made it a lot of fun to, to get into. And then I, I had, like, conversations with Hunter and, and, and uh, William Regal about what they wanted from Killian. So I didn't leave it to chance. I didn't ask the producers. I went straight to the top. Um, and then they, they actually emailed all the producers. So it made it very easy for what they wanted Killian to be, um, which, which was great because... As I said, I kind of struggled my, my first couple of months there, but what right. what they wanted from me. Um, but once you know, I had that kind of um, definitive direction from Hunter, it made it a lot easier for, for to present how I wanted Killian to be. And while I was doing that, I'm, I'm also like doing the entrances with, with Axel, Nicky, and Eric, and it was a lot of fun. I, I got to, to more be the stoic guy when they were all running around like fucking crazy. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> they blow up before they get in the match. <laughs> oh, this is the craziest part. Is like I remember how fit the two of them were. Like they oh, were, shit. they were not. They were absolutely nuts. I think I was blown up watching them. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh my god. <laughs> well, speaking of choosing as well, how does a wrestler like per se, just yourself, obviously come up with your move set like is it something like because you're you've been a fan your whole life you're like i've seen this guy do this i want to put my own rendition on it or it's just something that comes while you're in the ring how do you choose your your move set and plus sorry before you even get to that thank you for bringing back the vader bomb one of my favorite moves my friend <laughs> thank you very much uh, i don't do it as well as he did but it, it, i really love the move um I, yeah the, it, it looks good oh, oh thank you but i think for me um I get into the habit of, um, as I was kind of like, 
rising up in, in British wrestling or European wrestling, you know, there were certain things I was doing that I knew was different than everybody else. Like, I, I did, like, the wasteland senton combo. Um, I did, like, a powerbomb elbow combo. I, I yeah. kind of started doing, I'll, I'll try a couple of these combos and see how it kind of works. Sure. And I'd love to tell you where it really came from. I've fucking no idea, right? <laughs> but it's just, I, I remember trying, I'll try this, and I'll, then, okay, I'll try this, then I'll try this after. And I started putting a couple of those things in because it was like, it, as I was getting bigger, as I, as I was getting into that 300 pound mark, got up to like 330 or whatever it was, you know, I was trying to be smart about how I wanted my moveset to be. Like, okay. I'd started doing this this driver, um, the so I called it the Ulster Plantation. Like, the, okay. um, I'd started doing that driver when it was about 2007, right? Um, I really liked the move, the, the Rubik's Cube. Um, but I, I just couldn't justify how it was just a very tight landing. So mm-hmm. I, I tried to do like um, like a, a one-legged version. I used to call it the safe Rubik's Cube, right? And then I gave it a better name. I used to start a Buster plantation. Um, and like that came from literally like, I think it was Chris Hero and a bunch of other ones who did the Rubik's Cube. And I just thought right. it was the, the coolest thing. I think it was the Joker driver that, that really blew my mind. Uh, yeah, I think it was maybe Joker who I first saw it, saw it in, um, and I was like, Jesus, that's incredible. But then I started doing like a, a safer version of it, um, but then as I got heavier and stuff like that, all my other moves were, were more to the stomach and, and, and to the back, so I, it was one of those, I realized that, I think it was Joe Legend, who, who's a, a, a Canadian wrestler, actually, who's now based in, in Germany, nice. he said to me, like, you're finished it doesn't really follow the psychology as well as all your moves seem to be to the gut, but then you're finished. Here's this, this driver. Oh. Um, and that's something that kind of stuck with me. And then as Kenny Omega, like got really popular, like he started doing, he was doing the same move the, uh, as the one winged angel. Mm-hmm. And his was even better than mine. So I was like, Oh Christ. <laughs> so it felt like the right time to, to let that go. Sure. So, as he started, uh, as he started doing um, a lot more in North America, and um, it was like, yeah, it made perfect sense to to try and go into something because it's something I've been weighing on me to try and get something more based to the gut. Um, and I did the Vader bomb as like a as a two count move. Um, I've been using it more as like a, the wasteland descent on, then maybe I pop the Vader in as as the the, fin- the the third part of it. But that wasn't even being used as a finish. Um, which when I look back on it is crazy, um, and then like so I think a lot of things were all coming together at that point. And um, I remember like uh, Terry Taylor was like, "Oh, you should use the crossbody as a finish," and I'd really thought about it. But a lot of people started doing the crossbody around the same time as me, mm. or you know maybe brought other people in, uh, bigger lads who could move. We're all kind of doing the crossbody, so I, was like, I couldn't really get away with that as a definitive finish. I tried it for a while on, on NXT TV, and it did, you know, I did it a bunch of times, and it, we did use it as a finish. Right. Um, but it was hard. I think it was hard for me to, to justify it as a finish when a lot of other guys were using it. Um, so I kind of mulled over with, with the driver, and I think I stopped using the driver by the time I went up to SmackDown. And then... I st- yeah, I started using the Vader bomb when I first debuted on SmackDown, and then that was that was by 2018. So I, I, the Vader bomb, I kind of realised like this could be it because I'm athletic anyway, um, and like my plan was kind of why don't I try the Vader bomb for a while and see if I like it? Um, and honestly, like I, I I did agonize. I was like, you know, is there anything better? Should I use anything bigger than that? Um, and then like 
I started putting like the wasteland, the Santon and the Vader together. And mm. I called it the Belfast Blitz, you know, right. um, and that, that became the, okay, that's the finish and that's what I'll use going forward. Um, and it's one of those things, it's like, I think for everybody when, when they're, they're doing their movesets and stuff like that, you almost want to go, okay, what am I trying to tell? And for me, it was, yes, I'm large. I'm using my own body to hurt somebody else. Um, and I always wanted to try everything to go generally to the gut, to the lower back area. And mm. um, the psychology for me was, you know, if I'm using my big gut to hurt people, um, then that, that should make sense to the fans watching. And, and thankfully, most people kind of got that. <laughs> um, but when I was like doing like, the, I, I used to do this other driver as well. Like I think Steve Macklin actually uses it now in Impact, which is funny. Oh, okay. uh, but I was using that like years ago. Um, as well as using the um, the Ulster Plantation, and it was one of those things. It was like you have these two drivers, then all your other moves are gut and, and and lower back base. So you kind of start figuring it out that okay, maybe this is better for the psychology of what you're trying to put yourself across as. Because um, my whole thing with Killian was, you know, Killian's willing to throw his own body at somebody, um, whether that's you know if it's the suicide dive or if it's the as big as the coast to coast or something off the top sure. it's you know i'm willing to put myself in harm's way to hurt somebody else you know that was kind of the mentality i was trying to get into um because insanity we were all meant to be you know a little little bit of a screw loose uh, and my one is that i'm quite sadistic but also masochistic because i'm willing to hurt myself you know um so that was the whole kind of concept there um, and it helped because a lot of my moves anyway you know made sense in in that uh, in that structure but I think for everybody else you know it comes down to you know okay what's getting the best reaction what is not being used by everybody else on a show Definitely. Uh, and like you know or it could just be a case of what do I do better than anybody else and yeah. that's one of the things that you know I said to a lot of the, the kids who are coming through and I say kids but they're like you know in their 20s or whatever <laughs> younger ones coming through in, in the performance center on my way out you know they'd be asking you know about move sets and stuff like that and i'd always just say well what can you do better than anybody else you know start with that um and then like if you need to tweak it to make it different than somebody else then great do that um but i think a lot of people get, get quite caught up in this part because they're like oh x x uses this and, and y uses that and whatever mm-hmm. and, and that is the toughest part about being five thousand wrestlers who now are all on you know either TV or YouTube or some sort of streaming, you know what I mean? Um, So you're trying to find your uniqueness throughout, you know? Uh, And for me personally, like when I, when I meet people, I'm always like, well, why don't you try whatever you think works best and then tweak it and work from there and, you know, ask advice from people you respect and whatever else and, um, and, and see how it works. And generally, you know, there's, there's the lads like the Creed brothers and NXT who like, um, you know, are both incredibly gifted athletes. They can do, yep. they can do stuff that they haven't even shown yet on, on TV. But, you know, they were trying to figure out, okay, what can they do that's different than anybody else? And I just had to say to them, well, you know, these are fucking wrestlers. You know, <laughs> start with start with that. You know, these are both famous. Start with that, yep. and then we can see where we can get to. And like, fair play to them both. They listened, and you know, they've really started to, to find what they what they wanted to do from there. And, uh, and but it's tough, and I get that, especially somebody somebody new coming into this, like. If I was coming into NXT um, at that point in 2020 or 2021, mm. um, you've got 100 fantastic wrestlers who all have to all do these wonderful things. It must be very difficult or, or even intimidating trying to figure out sure. how, what you want to do and what you want to get over. 
um, because the fans have literally seen everything. You know what I mean? And they're seeing it, you know, from on a regular basis from all these talented wrestlers. So, and I'm sure it's the same in AEW and, and everywhere else. You know, somebody new trying trying to showcase what they've got. Um, but you know, the, the truth is, if you do it as well as you possibly can, then generally you'll be fine. And, and that is the that is the, the best advice I, I normally give to anybody coming through. You know, um, try try a bunch of things and then use what works best for you what doesn't hurt you that, that's a good start uh, I remember when I was doing the uh, the Ulster Plantation yeah. I was starting to hurt my own neck because oh, no. I was picking people up funny um, yeah. the, uh, and that's on me you know because I, I'd maybe if I was lazy or whatever else and I'm leaning forward too much uh, and then I you know I remember I, I jacked my own neck picking up mm. Roderick Strong and Roderick isn't heavy at all by the way he's a, he's a fantastic worker but I leaned forward so much I hurt myself picking him up for my move which is mental wow. um, so now everything that I try to do is, is something I can do on everybody regardless of height weight or whatever else like my biggest biggest lifting move is um, is the wasteland and, and I can pick up anybody like pretty much I'm trying to think the biggest I've picked up is like 400 odd pounds or whatever oh, like wow. if I can pick them up then I can do the move you know what I mean and that's yeah. always been kind of my my mindset um, is I should be able to do it in everybody and I'll meet like a, a younger fella or whatever like oh I do this and this against smaller people I was like well try and think what can you do on everybody like if you can't pick them up maybe mm-hmm. you shouldn't have a move you know if you, if you can't if you can't pick me up then you shouldn't you shouldn't try <laughs> um, and that's little things that you know I think people get used to more and more. Um, but like, honestly, like I, I think with your moves and things like that, it's a process and it, ta- it can take a long time. Um, I, when I meet people who've managed to figure out what they want to do in, in a very short time, I'm always mm-hmm. very impressed mm-hmm. because like for me, it took fucking years to figure that out, you know? <laughs> like I think from about, I think my moveset has been a pretty much the same with a couple of additions here and there okay. from about 2012. But I, I think I, I actually go back and do stuff. So I just recently started doing like the the Eddie Guerrero over the ropes or the Tobey Conheo, whatever okay, it is. Yeah, yeah. I just recently started doing that again, and I hadn't done it since about '08 or something. Oh wow! Because like, I used to do the like as a as a tag move with one of my with my former tag partner Scott Rennick. I used to always do it then. Gotcha. Um, then like because I I just got out of the habit of doing it. So I was I just remember randomly. I was at, uh, during COVID, I was very bored. I went up to the PC with with, uh, with Spud or Drake Maverick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I tried it a couple of times. I was like, oh shit, I can't still fucking do it. So, <laughs> uh, so then I, I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll re-add that one back in. Because it's one of those, again, it's a gut move. It looks impressive. Um, but it's actually like, for me, it's really easy. You know, like uh, I'm, I'm athletic enough to make it look okay. So that's the main thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious. How about a move that you wish you could pull off for whatever reason that you're not able to do? Uh, so I haven't moonsaulted in a long time. That, that's something Ooh. I haven't tried. I used to be able to moonsault. I used to be able to split leg and moonsault. Oh, wow. Um, but I haven't, I haven't done them in, in, Jesus, maybe a good, oh God, 14 years or 12 years, whatever. So that's something I, I, I might try down the line, whatever. But it, it just, the way my knees got and so, stuff like that, I, it just made sense to not overly try and hurt myself. Uh, but in insofar as moves that I would have loved to be able to do, like, so stuff like, like gorilla presses and stuff like that, right? Because, like, as I was getting bigger, and I used to find it really easy to gorilla press people, but, you know, with, with minor injuries and then problems with, like, one of the main injuries we all get is rotator cuff injuries in our mm. shoulder 
Um, and I found that I was finding it very difficult to, to pick people up in that way. So I've had to just completely bin stuff like that off. Like, mm. and I even you'll have a small guy who'll, who'll, who'll ask, "Oh, would you mind doing this so I can do whatever?" I'm like, I really don't know, bro. Like, uh, I had to do one. <laughs> I had to do one. I had to throw like Drake Maverick into the ring or something like that. Right. And at the time, at the time, I was like, "Oh fuck, I don't know if I, if I want to do this." Because <laughs> honestly, like with the rotator cuff and stuff like that, you're like, sure. "I just don't want it to go again." Um, and then like, like knowing if I do it once, they'll be like, "Oh, can you do it again?" or whatever. So I think I, I did it once, and then I even said after, like, "Please don't make me do that again." <laughs> um, I, I wish I had the. I wish I had oh. the, um, the the genetics. To be able to do that all the time, um, but no, I think with through just general wear and tear, that's just one of those things I haven't been able to to do on a regular basis. Oh man! And also, one thing I, I love to ask too: your experience at WrestleMania 33, competing in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, which is way too long of a name. I don't know why they didn't shorten that. <laughs> Speaking of shortening names, but how was your experience at WrestleMania f- being there for the first time? Oh, that was incredible. Um, so we found out. On the Friday, I think, oh, myself wow. and Tian Bing were told on the Fridays, the day before we were going to go to take over. Oh, okay. it was So, like, you know, you're, you're trying to, you're trying to, you're, so because I, I, I didn't really get a chance to think about it, mm. I think that's the experience better. And, like, I found it, like, I know Shawn Michaels spoke to me right before I went out. He said, you know, try to take it in. Like, sure. um, like I know you're going to, you're going to focus on what you're doing, but, you know, try your best to take it in. Um, but it's hard, you know. I looked around and, and whatever else, and you, know, you try to feel it. But you know, I've been wrestling at that point. Uh, I've been wrestling twelve years, I think. Um, okay. So you know what you're doing, and, and you get into like a, a level of focus and stuff like that. So it, it was lost on me at the time, but afterwards, you know, you, you think about it. You see these brilliant photos. Like a friend of mine, um, Sarah Rowe, took this amazing photo of me walking down the ramp, and like that yeah. I've kept, and I've tried to keep it for myself more than anything. You know what I mean? Um, and it, it just looks outrageous. You know what I mean? Um, and like you know, it's one of those cool things to, that I, I get to keep for you know for the rest of my my life. You know what I mean? Um, and it, it's one of those things. Like uh, it was a great experience. You know, to do it in front of eighty or seventy odd thousand people, whatever it was, um, to be in the ring with. Like if you look at the actual lineup that was in that, it's it's a who's who of, of pro wrestling. Like, True. and it was the first time meeting a lot of those guys. And like, it's, you grab a guy, turn around, you know, <laughs> like it's you're, you're literally fighting with, with all these guys who <laughs> have done everything in, in wrestling, you know. Um, and like, yeah, it was it was an amazing experience. And the whole stuff with Gronkowski and all that was hilarious. He's he's a, a lovely fella. Um, I'm not a big American football guy at all, but right. like you know, I do watch the occasional game, and I know like the the importance of him to the, especially at that point. Right, um, he was he was the, probably the best. Uh, God, Jesus, uh, he's up there like uh, one of the best in the world at his position. Yeah, um, of course. Last twenty years, you know what I mean. Like he had great hands and, and, and you know great athleticism. So what he was able to do, but so it was amazing. I think I played it. I played in uh, Madden. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Before I'd met him, I was like, oh, Christ, uh, I had you in my, my dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> That's Give hilarious. Me a bit of a gig. But, uh, no, so, you know, when I think about it, it was a great experience. Um, and just, like, the most bizarre at the same time, you know. Uh, like, you know, I realized, like, I, I'm i sitting at ringside just, just t- you know, thinking about it, whatever else, and I get talking to Shawn Michaels and, mm. you know, that's, 
you know, one of my heroes talking to me like uh, I'm an eagle, which doesn't make sense, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, and then later on, I would end up in Sean's class, which is really cool later on. Um, and I, I got to spend a lot of time with him. But he was, you know, he really helped me that day with the um, uh, with, with about Royale um, and give me ideas. And, and like there were so many others as well. But like, yeah, it was it was bizarre. Uh, it was a hell of an experience. Um, and like, I remember like afterwards, just like trying to take it in, you know, and, and you know, you get all that this, I, I wasn't really prepared because I wasn't really good at social media at that point. Okay. Um, but all these people were, you know, you know, reaching out to me and stuff like that. And I was like, Oh my God, but I, I couldn't really take it in. You know what I mean? Um, in terms of that, like you just suddenly you've got, you went from, you know, maybe, you know, you might get a thousand interactions when you do something on TV or whatever else. And you know, suddenly you've got tens of thousands, 20,000, you know, 50,000 people are suddenly talking about, you know, uh, Killian, you know, who yeah. is this guy, you know, from NXT, you know, so it was very bizarre. Um, but like that, you know, and then even like missing interactions with people, you know what I mean? Like, you know, that I was like, oh shit, it would have been, you know, it was very cool if JR or whoever it was to, to say that, you're like, oh, well, that's awesome. Um, you know, but that, that's one of the, the weirdest parts of, of, of this um, social media kind of generation, you know, like you're literally everything you do is immediately recorded and immediately reacted to, you know right. what I mean? And it's, I it, at first I find that bizarre, you know what I mean? Um, but it was, it was a great experience and like the, um, no matter what happens, and I, and I was able to say this to my wife recently, like, no matter what happens in, in, in my career, I've done it, you know, I've done something that I never thought I would do. Like, you know, when I yeah. was living in Belfast, we moved to the countryside when I was 14 years old. So I went from that tiny village to eventually, um, uh, to eventually being on a main, you know, being on a, a main pay per view in, in the world of wrestling, which is mental. Uh, when I really break it down, um, and like that was, you know, I, I, at the time it, it felt like just another step. You know what I mean? Um, but like looking back, I'm like, Christ, that was a hell of a step. <laughs> I went from barely being on, you know, from just getting on NXT TV to being on on a WrestleMania thing. So yeah, it was it was something else, and definitely you know an amazing experience. And it was funny, like AJ Styles came up to me right before I went out, and okay. um, I'd met him a couple of times. We'd done a couple of things at Rev Pro, and we also did this terrible tour with uh, a company called Five Star Wrestling. Okay. Um, who uh, had booked this amazing roster, but like okay. forgot to advertise. Um, <laughs> he turned around to me, right? And he was like, you know, kind of beats uh, beats five star, doesn't it? <laughs> it was a very, it was it was maybe That's what I awesome. needed to hear before I went out. So, uh, you know, kudos oh. to, to AJ. He always seems to know what to say. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, you've also competed in a few other gimmick matches. One of my favorites was the inaugural North American ladder match. For the for the championship, obviously, but is there any gimmick matches that you haven't been in that you want to eventually do, or are you more of a traditional wrestler? Oh my! Uh, if I don't have to be in a gimmick match ever again, that'd be great. Like, oh. um, <laughs> okay. The, uh, no, honestly, so I I love them. Like you know, I I came through ICW, so like you know, I really enjoyed you know the the freedom and the you know the creativity you could come up with, you know with using weapons and all these things. And I was a huge ECW mark as a kid as well. Um, but honestly, like, you know, doing like the, the war games was amazing. Doing the ladder match sucked because it hurt. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, we all were lucky to walk out of that, you know, but um, thankfully we did. And thankfully none of us got hurt. But a lot of like 
a lot of people do get hurt in these these scenarios. I mean, I, I did I did a pro, I, I hurt my shoulder there, for example, but I like I was in rehab for a long time after with, and I didn't even take like as crazy a bump as some of the guys. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but honestly, like you know, th- th- we were delighted with with how the latter match went. You know, everybody went in there with a good attitude and, and a, a great concept. Mm-hmm. Our whole idea was right. We're going to climb the fucking thing, and if, if somebody doesn't stop us, then we're going to win the belt. And that Makes that was sense. an awesome mentality that everybody had because you see all these people who do these stupid slow climbs and I, right. I, I hate it right um, don't get me wrong I am I, I fucking hate heights so <laughs> me personally I probably should have went slower you know um, but no, like I that's one of the cool things about like when we planned that match I think everybody went in there with, with the right mentality we wanted to showcase everybody we wanted everybody to look as good as possible and thankfully it did um, but if I don't ever have to do a ladder match again then fantastic you know that, that sounds great mm-hmm. Um because you, you can prepare for everything in a, in a wrestling match and the smallest thing can go wrong. Sure. When you have gimmick matches, you, you're adding in massive complications that could happen. Um, I remember when we did War Games and Alexander Wolf just went through a table, mm-hmm. but he, he split the top of his head open and it was frightening. Um, he, was getting, he, was, he was getting staples in his head right right as the match was still going on. Um, like Through the cage, the doctor was stapling his head. Like that's mad, you know that is that is madness. That um, is. But he's, he's a tough, he's a tough son of a gun, is, is Alexander Wolf. Um, but like, honestly, uh, I did a, a cage match recently for ICW, which is really cool. They have one of those old school cages, um, so it makes it you know obviously very easy to climb. Right. Um, but really fucking hurts to hit. So <laughs> there's no give. It's just metal. So um, when you take when, when you take the doubles one with the chicken wire, it's a lot easier, you know, right, to, right, right. to hit. Um, but yeah, honestly, like um, you know, other other gimmick matches that, that I, I always enjoy table matches and all these kind of things, and I've always been really lucky with tables. You know what I mean? I, that is one of the, um, the the cool parts. But I, I've seen you know other people haven't been so lucky, like 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 Wolf and whatever else. Uh, but no, if if uh, for the rest of my life it's going to be traditional matches, no problem. I love a three way dance, so you know that could be if anybody really desperately wants to do a gimmick with me. Uh, three-way dance is, is, is perfect. You can go for that. How's that? Oh, love it, love it. Okay, before we get to the word story of the weekend, we wrap this up. You recently appeared on AEW Rampage. How did all this go down? Are there going to be future appearances? What's going on, my friend? Um, honestly, like uh, somebody got in touch with me, um, and then uh, another staff member got in touch uh, to, to, to come in and do this day. Um, it almost got changed to the week before, actually. Oh. Um, and uh, th- then whatever happened, it went back to the original date. But it was a great experience. I uh, it was so amazing because so many people who I, I knew from NXT or right. knew from the Indies, or I knew from um, actually from my personal life, you know, from from meeting people. It ended up being really bizarre. Like it was uh, like just so many people <laughs> who I really liked all there at the same time. It was it was like it. it it was weird. It was. It was actually. It was quite emotional, you know. Um, honestly, I, I had a wonderful time. It was. It, That's awesome. The, the craziest part was it was like all the kind of the same production as WWE, but without the stress. Mm. And like that was really hard. I was trying to explain that to one of my friends. Okay. Um, and I was like, it, it's, it's really hard to, to really put into uh, words what what it felt. You know, I didn't have. I didn't feel I was walking on eggshells. I didn't feel I was. Um, I, I didn't feel like my opinion didn't matter. You know, it, 
little things that like sure. when I was telling you, you know, indubitably you're you're a, you feel like you're a character in somebody else's play. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in AEW, you, you feel like you're you're also like involved in the creative process, um, and that's bizarre because I was only there in, in such a minor role. Right. Um, but I, I saw it as it was playing out for everybody else as well. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, honestly, it was it was a wonderful experience. I think um, Tony Khan and the team there, like. I've amassed an incredible roster actually and like there's just True. so many lads and ladies there who are just phenomenal what they do um, and it was, a, it was a pleasure to be there to be honest like, I, honestly it was something I didn't expect to happen um, when I first got released um, AW was, was one of the few companies that I had no interactions with so I was like you know what mm. if it doesn't happen that's fine I'll, I'll go and I'll, I'll, I'll kill it where I can and if something comes up great sure. so I was very blessed that an opportunity came up and um, and you know, we've got open communication now for for maybe for the future, and we'll see. You know, yeah. um, but if it doesn't, as I said, same same with the rest of anything. I I, mean, I had a great experience, and um, I be able to you know the day that I retired, be able to go well. I did this, I did this, and right. I had the time of my life there in Houston. So, um, but yeah, honestly, like it was it was bizarre in terms of meeting all these chaps and, and ladies who you know I get on the best with, and. Uh, it was that all day. I, I, every honest, I swear to God, every five minutes I'd meet somebody. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, you know. <laughs> uh, it was it was amazing, um, and it was just so interesting because like um, you can feel that there's a, a hell of an energy there, mm. um, and it's going to be exciting, you know, how it goes over the next few years because you yeah. know to have all that, you know, the the same pomp and circumstances as WWE, um, but but a completely different direction is, uh, it's just so interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, definitely, you know, hope the very best for everybody there. And I know they're going to kill it this, this weekend with double or nothing and stuff. So, yep. um, I know that like everybody was getting excited for Vegas. So I, I think that you're going to have a hell of a show. You know what I mean? I'm, I'll be watching myself at the weekend. So, um, from what I've heard, it's, it's going to be a hell of a show. There you go. There you go. All right. So ready for the worst story of the week. Let's do it. All right. Are you a pizza guy, my friend? Uh, if you look at my physique, uh, you might have a fair idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you never know. You know, you might have your other taste buds, uh, like other stuff, right? But, okay, how about this? What's the best city you've been to for pizza? That is a good question. So, I know I've started to develop a taste for flat pizza. So, oh, me too. Probably, probably say New York. Um, okay. I did have an insane thick crust when I was in Chicago there the oh, other week, and it was it was very nice. Okay, uh, and it was just loaded. But I think I'm developing a love of the the thin crust pizza. So I'll say New York. Okay, how about favorite topping? Uh, I'm quite boring with toppings. Like I can eat anything, right? Okay. I just well, I, I despise onions. I see, um, but like I think. Uh, uh, Probably boring, probably pepperoni or something like that, yeah. Okay, that's perfect. That leads into this week's story. And how about this? Lastly, are you a fan of like the non-traditional toppings like pineapple and all this other crap people like to put on it nowadays? Fuck no. (laughs) Okay, good. I'm the same way. Perfect. Beautiful. Okay, so this week's story comes from New York City, oddly enough, where a pop-up pizza shop was giving away slices of its newest topping. So... I'm not going to say what you would have to guess what the topping is because it could be anything nowadays. But someone has managed to infuse pepperoni 
with a specific type of beverage. Would you like to guess now what beverage is infused in pepperoni now? So what idiot would give it a dumb beverage? Uh, so it's it's New York. What would they go for? It's a dumb the tequila or something like that? No, it's non-alcoholic. How about that? I'll, oh, no, it, okay, that's good. It narrows it down. So, so they've changed the taste of pepperoni. With a beverage, you said, yeah? Yes. It, it's a name brand. How about that, too? Is it, is it Coca-Cola? Close enough. They infused it with Pepsi, and they call it Pepsaroni Pizza. <laughs> ah, shit, I'd have to try it, I see, yeah? Oh, you would try it. Okay, because it's funny, because it, it was online. It was this whole... Um, media campaign they did and apparently they're going to have pop-up stands in other cities like Detroit and stuff like that Chicago obviously where all the big pizza places are at but it was the pepperoni and it has the the stamp like they stamp it with I guess like a an iron like a brand or something with the Pepsi logo so every pepperoni has the pizza logo on, uh, the Pepsi logo on it that is odd I think I'd have to try it but it's one of those things that will probably utterly suck well the thing is Okay, well, Pepsi makes drinks. I never heard of them making food. I, what I want to... Okay, my criteria for good pizza is the amount of cheese and the taste of the sauce. So, what? Well, like, what's the taste of the sauce? Like, that's fine. You made this pepperoni, but is it actually good pizza to begin with? If they put the Pepsi into the sauce, oh. then I guess that would probably be make it... The flavor would actually come through, you know what I mean? I like that um, one. Uh, that's probably more of a possibility in terms of getting the flavor out but probably just tastes like barbecue sauce to be honest (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) no kidding nothing actually tastes like they say it's supposed to taste like all these watermelon drinks and all these other stuff for an exception of maybe like strawberry or something that's easy but all these other ones it's like oh this tastes like mango coconut you taste it's like no it doesn't (laughs) absolutely it it does not (laughs) oh that's awesome all right plug your shit where people can find you anything you want to promote the floor is all yours my friend Absolutely. So you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Demo Mackle, all one word at Demo Mackle. Um, you can find me on Pro Wrestling Tees or on merchandise, which is ProWrestlingTees.com slash Demo Mackle, which seems to be the the way. I've just released my so my new music just finally um, oh. is getting released on Spotify and iTunes. You can find that. I've just posted the link there, um, and the name of the title is Belfast Blitz, which is named after my uh, my finishing move. You know the 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 Wasteland sent on Vader Bomb, which I call the Belfast Blitz, is now the, the name of my, my music. I did it in com- collaboration with a guy called David Grimison, who's this wonderful Scottish um, performer. Used to tour with Limp Bizkit back in the day and things oh. like that. So he, he's a multi-talented um, uh, creator. But we've uh, we created this music in 2019, so three years ago, for my return to NXT. But things change with, with legalities and things like that. So we kept it on the back burner for when I left WWE and it's something that I've been using since last November. Nice. Um, but we did a few tweaks to the song and then now we've just released it. So, um, And I, I got a hand in, in writing the lyrics. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is the funniest part of it all. Um, we're both fans of, of metal and, and and rap music so we and we, we managed to try and infuse a bit of, uh, a bit of Ireland into it as well as uh, a couple of things that might uh, might explain that a large wrestler is coming. So that uh, that, that just dropped, and I, I posted it on my on my Twitter there. And I'll uh, once uh, it comes uh, comes live on iTunes and all these things as well. I'll I'll uh, pimp it up, pimp it for everybody else to see as well. But yes, very excited for uh, it finally being available for everybody because I keep getting tweets, people saying, "What's your music?" Um, <laughs> and because I, we just did AEW there on Wednesday, and 
they, they use the tune, which is fantastic. Sure. Um, then it's an opportunity now for everybody to hear it. So that that'll be a, it'll be live very shortly. Um, you can uh, pre-save it to your Spotify playlist right now. If you go on my Twitter, you can you can find the link for it. So yeah, very excited for it to happen. And then other than that, it's going to be very busy. I've got progress coming up at the start of June. Um, it's a super strong style over in Britain uh, and I'm, I'm releasing dates right now for, for the, the rest of summer. I've got a couple of really exciting things coming up in July and August that I, I'm looking forward for everybody to see. So keep an eye on us on Twitter, especially uh, at Demo Mackle. Nice. And before my cat tries to cut me off, because it sounds like she's dying in the background over here, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast DAP. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast DAP at gmail.com. Please rewind to the top of the show. Support those fine sponsors because what helps them out most definitely helps me out. And most importantly, please rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. And a special shout out to John Ceno f- from Post Wrestling for giving me the weird story of the week this week thank you he knows i'm always looking out for weird shit out there and for anyone else if you find anything weird please email us and if we use it we'll give you a shout out as well and one last question my friend before i let you go shit let's do it okay one of my favorite wrestlers of all time is fit finley and back in his wwe run he would come out with a shillelagh i've always wanted to know and wondered what the fuck is a shillelagh and what is it used for so it is both it's kind of a masked walking stick, so it's actually a fighting stick, but it would be oh. masked as a walking stick. So the kind of shillelagh you saw Fit use was a lot smaller than what an actual shillelagh would be. It would be like, you'd see it as like a, a kind of walking cane or something like that, okay. but it would actually be used as a fighting stick. So um, so it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a hidden, uh, it's kind of like a, like a hidden... Um, concept if that makes sense sure. um but yeah it would be used it's used for beating people <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome on that note he's big demo i'm steve this is the podcast peace